The following is brought to you by the Social Suplex Podcast Network. This is John Silver, lead recruiter of The Dark Order, and you are listening to All Things Elite. the 124th episode of Social Suplex's podcast about AEW with the proclivity for positivity. Welcome to All Things Elite. My name is Austin Summers and I am the host of this lovely show. And joining with me as always is my good buddy and friend, Floyd Johnson Jr. My man, how you doing? I am doing well. To I had the greatest football weekend of all time. My Florida State Seminoles and my Kansas City Chiefs are undefeated in October. Woo! <laughs> no L's this month. October has no L's in it because Floyd had takes no L's in October. There you go. Well, I have to deal with my uh, Detroit Lions laying an egg again, and I have a feeling we might be the first not only the first 0-16 team, but the first 0-17 team as well. There's a very strong possibility that might happen. But regardless, we uh, we have all things elite for you today. And it's not just us two. We have our good friend from the Trick or Treater podcast. We have JR joining us once again. JR, my man, how you doing? Well, unfortunately, I did not have a good weekend. This Los Angeles sports fan had a rough go. Fortunately, the LA Dodgers uh, had to get the wild card as the San Francisco Giant broke our streak of eight consecutive NL West division championships. So now we have to play the St. Louis Cardinals this Wednesday in a play-in game uh, for the NLDS. And then, unfortunately, um, my LA Rams got shellacked by the Arizona Cardinals at home in SoFi. So it was not a good weekend for me in the sports front, but... Hey, what can you do? <laughs> it seems like you've discovered how Stafford is like, he'll play some games and then some games just kind of like, eh, you could do more. <laughs> well, I can I can tell you, like, I could have told you that would have happened, but, you know, everyone wanted to be, act like he was a martyr after he left Detroit. So, you know what? It's good. I'm kind of glad to seeing him get brought down a peg a little bit, although I, I think he's great. Uh, but, yeah, this whole, like, oh, he escaped Detroit talk was really pissing me off. Well, Detroit, <laughs> Detroit is terrible. They're terrible at football. It hurt my soul yesterday. I actually thought playing against rookie QB Justin Fields that Detroit would actually be competitive, and they were not. 
It's okay. Dan Campbell had his first Lions coaching game where he like legit just didn't play the game right. It's like, oh, we're we're going up against a QB that's a rookie who sucked and got ate alive by the Bear, by the Browns last week. Let's go for it on fourth and one every time. It's just yeah. Enough football talk, though. I know we love talking football on the show, but this isn't wrestling podcast. This is all things elite. We've got a lot to talk about this week's wrestling time in AEW was filled with a lot of interesting stuff that we got to cover. And of course, next week or on Wednesday, which this will come out tomorrow. So, uh, yeah, one day from now, it will be AEW Dynamite anniversary. So we'll have a preview for that. Uh, And we got a lot more to talk about. But before we get into everything, make sure you guys are downloading this fine show on Google or Apple Podcasts. If you listen to us on Spotify or any other podcasting platforms, please give us a share with your friends, family, coworkers, whoever you wish. You can also leave a rating and a review. And if you're so inclined, you can also leave a donation through our podcast provider, Red Circle. The easiest way for you guys to support us is on social media, not on Facebook and Instagram because those died today for some unbelievable reason. But we are on Twitter. We are at AT Elite Pod, at Social Suplex, are the guys that make this show possible and have a bunch of other shows on the network. Check all those ones out. I am at Austin Sumowitz, S-Z-U-M-O-W-I-C-Z. Floyd is at Floyd Johnson Jr. on Twitter. And JR, where can people find you and the Trick or Treater podcast? So you can find on Twitter, it's at Trick or Treat Pod. That is at Trick or Treat Pod. Um, You can access our link tree from there where we have our merchandise uh we are kicking off october with which is like all things halloween so the first uh podcast we're doing that drops this friday which if i'm doing my math correctly in my head it's october 8th is a shutter exclusive film uh shutter is a, a horror streaming service and the film is called haunt it's about a group of friends who enter um a haunted house that is not exactly on the up and up, and I just got in watching it before we got on the phone, and it is insane. So I highly recommend it if you haven't seen it. So that drops this week. We're also covering Halloween 2018 uh, next week in lieu and in, uh, in preparation for Halloween Kills, which comes out, which we're all excited about. Uh, the next chapter of this new trilogy of Michael Myers. So uh, we have a lot of good stuff planned for this month. All right. Well, we'll get to the big news of the week, which is, of course, we're approaching the anniversary of AEW Dynamite. And I would honestly say um, it was just a huge fact that we're already coming up on two years of AEW Dynamite. But also, I think the big news of the week as well could be how the AEW Dynamite show that took place in Rochester, New York, was dedicated to... Brody Lee, the late great Brody Lee. The entire show, um, he had a lot of Brody references, and of course, he had a Dark Order match that we'll talk about. And there was a nice little intro uh, graphic for him at the beginning of the show. Brody chants were all across the arena, and people had signs for Brody Lee. Um, it was honestly a really nice thing to see, and it was also when we got to hear the announcement of the John Huber Legacy Foundation. Uh, partnering with AEW, which I think is absolutely incredible. And Floyd, actually, would you want to give us the rundown of just the partnership that's happened with uh, Amanda and Chris Huber and the uh, the AEW, AEW and all that? All right. So John Huber, a.k.a. Brody Lee, his wife Amanda Huber and brother Chris Huber announced the John Huber Legacy Foundation. Uh, the foundation will focus on providing support to 
people in creative fields who have not taken the steps in their career because of the family obligations. Uh, what they're going to do is they're going to pick a select few people uh, that work in the arts, whether it's acting, wrestling, whatever. Of course, it's going to be kind of geared towards wrestling and they're going to take classes and learn about financial responsibilities and different things where that they can uh, 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 pursue their dreams in the arts and still financially provide for their family. The reason that's the area that they weren't is that uh, when John uh, got, or Brody got offered the WWE contract, he almost didn't take it because his wife was in the hospital, Amanda, was in the hospital with their, uh, having their first kid, or Brody Jr., as they call them. So there you go. It's um, it's one of those things that they're just trying to give back to uh, the people that were in similar situations to them, uh, and basically through education and financial assistance. So I think yeah. it's a great idea, and AEW is completely backing it. You can go to a shopaew.com, buy the newest Brody Lee shirt. 100% of the proceeds go to the uh, John Huber Legacy Foundation. Yeah, JR, uh, what was your thoughts of the AEW Dynamite show being dedicated to Brody and this partnership with the Huber Legacy Foundation? Uh, I mean, we all know the... The original date that of Rochester um, AEW was supposed to run, that was going to be the debut of Brody Lee. Unfortunately, due to the pandemic, March 2020, that didn't happen. So I thought it was, um, I thought it was really important that they did that because it was paying homage to Brody Lee, and who even out take the man out of the ring. You've heard nothing but tremendous things about Brody Lee from people. In AEW, people from WWE, people from the Indies, just a man that people love. So I thought it was it was pretty awesome. They did it. As far as the the foundation, the the John Huber Foundation, one of the things I mean, I think all of us can talk about is being creators, content creators. Sometimes when you want to take it to the next step, it's very difficult to invest in being a content creator because of the fact of that financial risk that you take or not able to uh live through those sacrifices i think one of the examples was um denise salcedo from fightful she had mentioned when she first started everything she did was for free so not only should not get paid but then if she's attending events that's out of her own dime so having that opportunity to help educate creators whether it's in the arts and wrestling and journalism or whatever and be able to financially help them as so they can fulfill their dream. I think it's pretty awesome. Yes. Yeah. I'm just going to throw this out there with it is I've learned after three years of doing this and paying for everything, my streaming, going to tickets and stuff that like my friend who works in finance, is like, well, you could turn your, you know, your podcast into an LLC and literally, you know, basically charge, uh, like write off all of my travel expenses and all of my speaker expenses because I'm running a non-profitable business. And I was like, what? And I found out that was on the up and up. And a lot of content creators don't know this. What you do, if you plan on ever trying to make money off of it, is a business. Now, those are the type of things that these people will learn as they're going through this foundation. Yeah. It's, yeah, someone who um, got into a field like broadcasting, but also has a massive 
passion for arts and stuff like that. And I have many friends who are pursuing careers in that regard too. And not to mention just like the financial stuff with it too, but just the time effort that you got to put into everything when it comes to just, you put your all into making this happen. And like sometimes some things don't happen the way that you need them to for your career to take off. Like something like this is going to help a lot of people, I think. And yeah, I think it's just great that AEW partnered with this and it's an amazing foundation. We all miss Brody to death. And this was just really great. And we get to talk about the entire show in Rochester that was dedicated to Brody Lee. We'll get into that right now, which was the AEW Dynamite that took place. CM Punk, my boy, back on commentary. And he spent the entire show being on commentary and then also sub like tweeting people that were complaining that he was on commentary and pissing them off. So it was a great show just by that regard. But we kicked things off. With Adam Cole Bebe versus Jungle Boy in singles competition. Yes. Thank you. This match was so good. Like, I am so, so happy that this kicked off the show because it was just a great singles match between the two. And a whole bunch of stuff happened after the match. But um, I want to just real quick talk about the match itself. Like, Cole, we got to see him do the Panama Sunrise again. I thought at one point, like, literally when the snare trap was put on, like, could have been wrapped up right there. But the beautiful heel work by Adam Cole, distracting Aubrey, getting the mule kick through the nuts on of Jungle Boy, then getting that running knee to the back of his head, the like, just l- knocking his lights out there for the pin was a great finish. But just in, even in between it, though, like, like I, I loved how... Adam Cole, like at one point, just gets, nails a backstabber on Jungle Boy, and there is a great step up her and Karana that he Jungle Boy did. The match was just back and forth. It was really great. These two guys are so over in the company, and this was just a hell of an opening singles match. But Jr. First to you, thoughts on Adam Cole and Jungle Boy? Seeing this match reminded me that. What I've always, when I thought of Adam Cole from the first time I saw him going back to 2016, is this man is a phenomenal wrestler. He's amazing in the ring. Um, he can have great chemistry with just about anybody. And he was at one point, I think it was in 2019, the PWI number one wrestler. And I was like, this guy is going to, at one point, I thought was going to lead his his previous company, but now in AEW, I feel like he's. Uh, I mean, it's just a matter of time before he becomes the lead uh, future AEW world champion. And then when you look at Jungle Boy, it's the exact same thing where he's so young and you see how good he is now. Where is he going to be four or five years from now? So the way I look at it, and I know I'm close, you know, older, but I see, man, this is, this is the future of AEW in the sense of like, you know, AEW was initially set up with like Kenny and Cody and Young Bucks, but this is like the next line that's going to, uh, you know, take over and be the main eventers for a significant amount of time on right now on TNT and in the future on TBS. It was just a great match from two great talents. And it was done in a way where I think it showcased both of them. And it also pr- protected Jungle Boy with the way it was, the match was, you know, the end result and how Adam Cole had to result to dastardly deeds to, secure the victory over jungle boy so i thought it was a well put together match and just by two phenomenal talents 
I loved how Adam Cole just kept putting over the fact that he wasn't going to have help. He wasn't going to need help to beat Jungle Boy. And he said, you know, uh, they talk about the future of this company and you're not it. I'm it. It was just such a beginning of a long term storyline. I could see in three years being about to go to full gear at whatever city that's not Baltimore that they pick. Uh, and, you know, it'll be the um, Jungle Boy versus Adam Cole for the AEW world title sold out building 17, 18,000 people. I could see it happening because I saw it in this match. I saw the beginnings of a great feud. I, I, I was even toying. Uh, I was even telling a friend of mine that, um, that if I ever wanted to show uh, people what a modern professional wrestling match looked like, I would take Jungle Boy and uh, Adam Cole because they're both smaller than what people like that started wrestling, watching wrestling 20 years ago are used to, but they're much more agile. It's a very action-packed style, and it's a very high-energy style. So I just would like, okay, this is what wrestling in 2021 looks like. Yes, and now we'll, we'll talk about what happened after the match. Right after Adam Cole got the win, the Elite comes out to celebrate with Adam Cole, and Adam Cole and gives the mic to Kenny Omega, and Kenny starts talking about how his phone's been ringing off, off the hook, social media's been going up. Kenny, that was possibly the greatest AEW Dynamite match, greatest AEW match in general. And I say, no, that's cool, but uh, Brian Danielson, the issue is that you couldn't get the job done when it was when it mattered and when it counted, you have a zero record. You're not getting a rematch. Like there ain't going to be no rematch. Immediately. Brian Danielson comes out and asks the crowd. Do you want to see a rematch between me and Kenny Omega? They chant. Yes. So they want a rematch. I want a rematch, but you don't have enough balls to give me a rematch. And he presents to the crowd, Kenny, no balls, Omega, which the crowd immediately starts chanting and yeah, they Brian is in the palm of the of the fans' hands. Like he has them wrapped around their his finger. Like he's so charismatic and great on the mic here. He then's like, you know what? I challenge any of the elite to a match on Rampage. And he's like, uh, how about now? And he's like, okay, I'm not coming alone though. The elite hunter Frankie Kazarian, Luchasaurus, Jungle Boy, Marco Stunt, Christian Cage, all of them follow. And then the elite just runs away as they all swarm the ring. And that's how the segment finished. So this would lead into what would happen on Rampage. Um, do you guys have anything you want to say on this little segment? Specifically, I guess, Kenny Noballs being thrown out. Daniel Bryan's really good at this. And, you know, he said he learned certain things from the WWE. And this type of crowd control and getting the crowd to participate. I mean, that's, it's kind of, you know, very much a WWE thing, but it's much more helpful in AEW just because, you know, the crowd is so much more active in participating with whatever you're doing. Yeah. JR, you got anything or should we move on? Uh, the only thing I thought about was the, that scene from uh, dodgeball where it's like, he doesn't have any balls, cotton. <laughs> Love, love that scene. Uh, we'll move on then to a tag match between Dante Martin and Matt Seidel versus the American Nightmare, Cody Rhodes, and Lee Johnson. And I'm not going to mention anything on Rhodes to the Top because we're going to have a little segment on that very shortly. But I will say from watching that show, 
did not lo- know Lee Johnson was dating Julia Hart. So congrats on that. I had no idea that was a thing, but they literally just threw it in the middle of the episode. So just thought I'd throw that in since Lee Johnson was in this match. This was a decent ma- uh, tag match. I know Floyd has been on the show repeatedly talking about how he has no idea what the momentum is or what kind of direction Cody's going in. We kind of got a little bit of an answer from this. Um, now, Lee Johnson was able to actually get the win uh, by hitting a vertical neck breaker and pinning Dante Martin. Surprising. I would have thought Matt Seidel would have taken the pin or just Cody and Lee not to win. But you know what? Lee got the win. Eventually, uh, there was a little bit of back and forth happening in the ring, and the Nightmare family seemed to have some issues. And eventually, uh, Cody gets Tony Schiavone in the ring to interview them. So Cody's just like, you know what? This audience waited a long time. Let's just get Malachi Black out here right now. Arn Anderson cuts him off immediately and says, Cody, stop talking because on July the 7th, Malachi Black came into our lives. He destroyed all of us systematically. He used me to get to you, but it's your fight. But the difference between uh, you and uh, Malachi Black, there's one thing that's preventing that is that Malachi Black is an assassin. He is a predator, and there's a big difference between you and me cody you pull up to a red light a man jerks you the door open and says out the car i'm taking your car you say okay take it don't hurt me you know what i do i pull out the glock put it to his forehead and spill his brains all over the concrete i'll be damned if i'm going to coach a loser come with me lee at least you'll listen to me what the fuck I mean, I got to go to Floyd on this first because Arn just systematically ripped Cody to shreds. And also, now I have the image of, like, Arn Anderson in GTA just pulling a Glock on somebody. So, uh, there's so much to unpack here. So much to unpack here. First of all, at the beginning of the match, Arn says, hey, Lee starts. And Cody's like, oh, I'm going in. And he doesn't listen to Arn. And you see the frustration. And then the match happens and... You know, Lee gets the pin because Cody is, you know, taken out to a point. And it was just another off look for Cody. And and then we get it out. And Arn cuts the promo of, like, of his second half of his life. He had a lot of great promos. And he had a lot of great promos in his youth, even including the promo that launched the Four Horsemen. But this was the promo... That, you know, all the young people are going to remember. I I had so many people talking about it was too violent, but I'll get to that in a second. But come on. But to basically pull Cody's bitch card right in front of him. I'm sitting here as a man that worships Arn Anderson like not many other people can worship a person. Uh. And then a person that also bows to the feet of Cody. And be like, Arn Anderson was my youth. Cody is like my now. And based on the booking, I'm like, based on how it's been booked, you're like, Arn's right. You're like, don't hurt me, don't hurt me. Cody has lost that killer, the killer edge. And Arn's like, I'm never not going to be a killer. You know, I'm a killer till the day I die. I'm an old man killer, you know? And it's just, 
it's so funny that in this case, it was just the great image of him pulling out a Glock and he puts his fingers up to Cody's head and it's just like, he gets read the riot act in front of the world in 2021, 2021 on a night where something major happens. We're celebrating Brody. Something major happens at the end of the show. What was the world talking about for the week after they were talking about my favorite wrestler of all time, Arn Anderson's promo. That that got memed so hard. And it's, like, I'm still seeing new ones today. Yeah, is, I mean, like, they made a t-shirt out of it, yeah. which you cannot wear in public without people looking at you like you're a member of the NRA. Yes. But you know what? It's still a cool shirt. I'll rock, I'll rock that shirt all day. But, <laughs> but it's five days later, and people are still talking about it. In a way, because Cody was the victim, he even that even made him more popular because so many people hate Cody right now. So it even made more popular that Cody was the victim of it. It was everything I wanted from one end, and it's moving a it's moving a story going forward. Can y'all did I drop there? Hello, just for a slight period of time. Uh, uh, yeah, okay, yeah, okay. So. From uh, from a person that's a fan, it's finally starting to move the Cody stuff forward. And like I said, it's, Cody's been stale as shit all year to me. He's just been stale. Like, people say he's stale. I completely agree. And this is a Cody fan wanting him to be involved in something more interesting. He is finally, looks like it's finally going somewhere. I don't know where this ends. Do I want it to end with another Malachi Black match? Not really. <laughs> Not really. I'm just like, Malachi won the feud. Move on. But it could be building to another Cody and Malachi Black. A new Cody. A Cody that's on fire. A uh, more aggressive Cody. I I just think he could do it with someone else, not Malachi. I'm looking forward to what it is going forward. I know I said a lot of words about this, but you don't understand. You might have seen how excited I was that Arn got to be Arn. He got to be in it for the first time in a while. He was the enforcer again. Yes, Jr. Though your your thoughts on I guess this match, but more so what happened after. Uh, I will say if you go to Boxing Gimmicks, which does all the merchandise for Conrad Thompson's. Uh, podcast everything from rn 83 weeks and such there's actually not one not two and not three but four t-shirts to commemorate this <laughs> promo four different t-shirts on boxagimmits.com not a sponsor um but definitely will work for shirts so yeah just shout out that you know the the thing for me um just to i won't go into too much to add to what floyd says but just piggy bait is I'm just extremely curious what is the new direction of American Nightmare Cody Rhodes. And I will throw this out there, just, you know, my, you know, what I see in the sense of, like, this is my best guess. I could potentially see maybe, you know, Arn going with the new client and having maybe, a you know, somebody that he brings in to go after Cody, you know, or something of that nature. I definitely think there's they're going to you know a new direction. There will not be a Cody versus Malachi not this time continuance. Um, especially with later in the show we saw Malachi promo, but um, I just I think kind of just laid out that he was going a different direction of himself. But yeah, I'm very interesting. The one thing I want to say though about the match, not so much about the match, but two individuals. One is Lee Johnson, 
that I've never really seen Lee Johnson wrestle because I've always felt every time I see him, he always got his he just always got beat down by somebody by a heel. But he's really, really good. But just damn, Dante Martin is freaking phenomenal. And he reminds me so much of like not maybe not the same style, but just a young Ray Mysterio that feels like he could just do anything and has so much potential. And he's only 20 years old. Like, I really, uh, and I, Floyd and I have had this conversation off air, and he told, you know, and we've had differences on this opinion in the sense of, but I feel like they need to do something with them, like send them on an excursion, because I just, at this moment, they're not going to get over in the sense in matches. Like, they're always going to, like, look good, but they're always going to get beat. And sooner or later, I just think the fans are going to just, like, just lose be, like lose momentum behind them because they're like they're just jobbers. They're just constant. They look great in matches, but they're always going to lose. Like call up, you know, Impact or call up MLW and be like, hey, we need some of these guys because we wanted to get them more experience to get their name out there. Uh, they just don't have like a spot where they're going to be elevated. But they're especially Dante Martin. He is freaking phenomenal when he gets in the ring. Yeah, I I can agree with that too. Um, what I will say too about this, um, with my thoughts is, after this, uh, after Dynamite went off the air, uh, I a couple days later I actually got recommended on YouTube, Cody's a video on YouTube called Cody's Most Savage Moments in Ring of Honor, and I watched like Cody when he was flipping off uh, fans and like taking knocking people's drinks out of their hands and all this kind of stuff and just the way he would act in Ring of Honor. And I look at Cody now and I'm just like seeing just a complete polar opposite. And I'm just kind of looking over to this and I'm like, man, imagine if he could just be this dickhead character on a much bigger stage. And if he could just completely flip from being the face of the company, because as much as I think Cody is great and he has been the face of AEW for a very long time, a lot of guys have come in since Cody was the main guy in AEW. And like hate to say it, but like the recent guys like that have been built up, like Jungle Boy and Darby Allen and um hell, freaking Brian Danielson and CM Punk coming in. Like there's a lot more talk of like who is the face of AEW, where it's like Cody's kind of been receding a little bit out of that conversation, even though he's literally one of the figureheads. So I think now that he's kind of fading back from being like the face of the company, I think it would be fair if he just cut loose. And honestly, I think he'd be itching for it, too, because it just seems like he would just love to just flip and just go off on everybody and like. That's that's what I would love to see out of this. If he doesn't and he just becomes like a little bit more aggressive and actually like lights a fire under everybody and like really just comes out cutting those incredible promos we know he can cut, I'm fine with that too. But man, I think a heel Cody would be a lot of fun in AEW. But regardless, I, I mean, heel Cody move- is heel Cody's my favorite Cody, and I did want to throw this in there from Dave Meltzer. He's basically saying. everything that's going on with Cody, him being booed, everything like that was literally the plan all along. His whole booking has been too built to this. And I'm just like, I got worked because I've been shitting on his booking all year. I mean, that's all. I mean, I've been shitting on his booking all year. And to find out literally 
it's been done to kind of make you hate him. Huh. Interesting. I mean, of course I don't hate him, but it's like, it is a, it's the out of box thinking outside the box thinking that you don't see in many other places in wrestling. And I think it's why AEW is so hot right now. A hundred percent. We then had a six man tag match between John Moxley, Eddie Kingston and Darby Allen versus bear country and Anthony Green. Uh, this match uh, wasn't – there really wasn't too much to say with this match. Kind of just kind of felt like it was added on there. I think this could have been a dark match, like a dark elevation match. Um, yeah, it just kind of was there. Um, obviously, uh, the baby faces went over after the violent crown was used by Kingston and Moxley. Uh, Anthony Green took the pin, and then uh, they also paused to let – Sting hit the Scorpion Death Drop on Green just for a little added measure. This was filler. Like this, this was just I, like a I, little I, added thing on there. I didn't, think didn't, I think it was there to remind you Bear Country is a tag team, but I don't have anything other to say than that. Yes. So, Jr., you got anything, or shall we move on? No comment. Next question. All right. Perfect. Next up, we had freshly squeezed Orange Cassidy teaming up with the Dark Order, Evil Uno, Stu Grayson, Alex Reynolds, John Silver, Alan Angels, and Preston Vance, and Cole Cabana with Negative One leading the team down, and they faced off against pretty much the entirety of Hardy Family Office, Big Money Matt, Private Party, Butcher and the Blade, Helico and Jack Elvins, and Jorah Joel was in this match as well. This was the match to, like, fill the crowd's love of Brody Lee. This was the match where they really, this was great. Cause I mean, the beginning of the match was um, like a little bit um, like it didn't really last too long. And eventually it just built up to the point where evil Uno once again, walked out and like kind of Stu was going to follow him behind. And they're like, literally like this is the night for Brody and they're walking out again. And then Amanda Huber, Tay Conti, Anna J, and Negative One all walk out into the ramp. Negative One papers headshot to freaking Evil Uno. And Amanda just starts ripping into Evil Uno. Get back in the ring. Do this for Brody. He doesn't want he wouldn't want to see y'all fighting like this. And eventually they get back in the ring and then they just start going off with multiple high spots. And then Uno and Grayson. Finished off George Joel with the fatality. That was the finish of the match. And then we finished off that with negative one being held up on the shoulders of the Dark Order, holding up a Brody Lee, holding up a Brody Lee sign. And also we finally got the this was basically the reunion of the Dark Order. I think this is the where we called that whole storyline off. Dark Order is once again whole again. This was just a feel-good moment. This did exactly what it wanted to do, and it really was just another great tribute to the late great Brody Lee. So, Jr., your thoughts? Uh, I will say I, I want to comment on this real quick. I know we don't really get into rumors, but man, the internet wrestling community did a phenomenal job of working themselves in into a frenzy about Bray Wyatt's going to debut tonight. Bray Wyatt's going to debut tonight. And, and me, and Floyd, <laughs> me and Floyd were like, we're doing the math in our head. It's like he can't even. His 90 days has even come up for, like, another 32 days. I mean, none of We never even brought it up on this show because we just it, – it, it couldn't happen. It was, like, it couldn't happen. Physically, it wasn't possible. <laughs> it's just – it was the funniest thing to me because of that. It's just uh, – you know, I love the IWC, but 
I love me Dark Order. And, the, you know, as I mentioned earlier about Dante Martin, um, another guy who I don't know, you know, what the plans are for him. But anytime you can see him do his thing in the ring, John Silver is freaking amazing. Like, I know people love him because of, you know, what he did with BTE and they think he's funny. But when he's in the ring, you know, especially some of the, the double team moves that he does with Alex Reynolds, I mean, they're a, a great team in the ring. And um, I'm definitely interested to see what they do with Dark Order, just the continuance of where they go, because obviously the crowd is sympathetic to them. You know, a lot of it has to do with the loss of Brody Lee, and people love them, and they got behind them, especially with Hangman Adam Page being with them for a number of months. I just kind of want to see where they're going to go. Like, you know, do you leave them where they're at in the sense of, like, where they've kind of been for the last year, or do you potentially you know, move them up to where maybe one of them gets, you know, a title. Um, that's just, that's always going to be a question on the back of my mind. And yeah, I'm glad to see them beat the Hardy family artist uh, office. Cause Floyd will tell you that besides butcher and blade, I can't stand them. I don't want to see them in the ring because I think they're terrible. I hate all of them except butcher and blade. Man. Uh, this match was super fun, like super fun. Uh, I, I call those the all-star game matches. Where it's just, especially John Silver's heat spot, where it's like he, it's almost like a hot tag, where he literally circles the ring, hitting people with yes. the coolest, most impactful moves. I'm like in my seat, and I'm like, I've seen this, but I'm gonna react to it every time. John Silver is like, dude, he's one of those people, man. If they want to heat him up to another TNT title shot, especially with Sammy being the champion. I mean, everyone would love it. Everybody will want it. I, I mean, I know he's slotted in a certain spot. It's just, he's just this fan favorite. I don't even, I don't know if there's even a comparison with him. I mean, maybe like how Drake Maverick was for a while in NXT. He's just this lovable guy that everybody wants to be, but he's, freaking awesome in the ring it's just like the only thing holding him back is that he's not 510 you know and it's just like i literally yeah. want him to challenge for the tnt title i think yeah. him going for a tnt title championship run with the dark order hyping him up would be amazing he is the first ever legit champion in wrestling because he is the of first course. ever bte champion i just want to throw that out there you know keep that on his credentials put some spec on his name but, uh, yeah, I just thought this match was great. Uh, I love how uh, a negative one came out through papers at Evil Uno. And, of course, he saw the headshot. Yeah. 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 And he's like, you know, he did the sale for it. And then Amanda Huber, who a lot of people didn't know, was a wrestler uh, at one point. Uh, she played her role perfectly. It was this emotional, happy moment. And it, it hit all the right notes. It's just. Like, it's kind of what wrestling is missing. I could go on, like, for an hour about where other wrestling is missing, but it's just a feel-good moment. Everybody's like, who does this get over? The company? Because it's a feel-good moment. Exactly. It's like, that's, at this point, that's literally just, like, to pay respects to someone who was just an outstanding person and an outstanding wrestler and just really bring the crowd up. Because, like, hell, like... Sometimes just you do a segment just because like it's going to make the crowd feel good and it pays respects like like that's 
like I'm not concerned about the Hardy family office. They've been used so much on AEW. Like they're they have been constantly been used in the show. Even if they're not necessarily winning a ton, they're being used consistently. So we can talk about whether or not they're not they they don't have any heat behind them or anything like that down the road. This thing did exactly what it needed to do, and I thought it was great. But we then had a vignette of one Leo Rush, who, if we all remember, he was the Joker in in uh, Double or Nothing's uh, a Casino Battle Royal that took place in uh, the like I think it was it twenty yeah it was in twenty twenty. Um, he then got an injury and then actually announced retirement, and now he is back and he is officially all elite once again. He is back on the show. And gotta say, first off, I'm glad his injury, like he was able to recover from it. But I gotta say, after the retirement announcement, there's a little bit of air taken out of this announcement because I mean, we were already happy that Leo was was all the the first time it was announced. Second time it was like, oh cool, he's back. Like I'm the whole retirement thing was very much overblown. But regardless, still happy Leo's here. I think he's gonna do great stuff. But yeah, I mean, my, uh, you guys got anything to say about Leo? My reaction was, we'll see. Just we'll see. Yeah, he's one of we'll he's one of those people I can't trust. We'll see. <laughs> we'll see. I'm like if right. if he actually makes it and wrestles in ring and actually is a part of the company, we'll see. All right. Well, Jr., you got anything to say? I mean, I'll take it a step further. Uh, before he originally debuted in AEW. I saw him in Vegas. I, I think it was like 10 days before Double or Nothing. I saw him back-to-back nights, put on two amazing performances. And when he debuted in AEW, I was like, oh, man, this is great. You know, he's a, you know, he just has a lot of charisma. He's great in the ring. Let's see what's going to happen. And then, obviously, you know, you know, history speaks for itself. So, I just, I don't know. It's level four, so you can't trust them. We'll but, see. Like, <laughs> but the other thing too is when he comes in, where do you? I'll leave it at this. Where, where do you find a slot for him in? Like <laughs> AW so hot now, since he did not come in. Not not. I don't mean like not because he didn't come in, but when he Just left, a lot of people with, come in since his. Yes, he, he made his. Whether appearance. it was Andrade, Brian Danielson, Adam Cole. Um, even I mean, even the going to the women division with Ruby Soho, like there's so much like AEW's hot. I'm missing one. Say the one. Say the one that you're missing. Say oh, the one that you're. I, missing. I apologize. I apologize. CM Punk. Thank you. Um, okay, move on. AEW <laughs> is a completely different company because we debuted. It was in Jacksonville, and AEW since they hit the road has been red hot every single week. I mean, I don't want to say they don't need him, but it's just I don't see where his role is going to fit in besides just being another name on the roster. I get that. And again, like the men, the, the men's roster, especially in AEW is legit stacked. And like, you've got people already talking about the possibility of an AEW brand split because of the roster being the way that it is. I honestly don't know where you put Leo. I honestly don't know. I think he's talented. I think he's got a lot of, he's got a a great offense. He does a lot of great moves. I mean, we saw how well he did in the casino battle Royal minus his injury. And I think he's good. Um, I think the the one thing that's always stuck out with me with Leo is that I just never felt like character wise I could latch on to what he was selling. And I think if he gets more time to develop that, which is what they kind of did with this vignette to try to give him a little bit more of a character um, uh, push. And if if they can work on that and like, hey, I think Leo could do well. It's oh. it's, it's literally just a wait and see thing. But right oh. now it's it's really the wild wild west when it comes to. 
the men's roster in AEW. So we'll see where Leo falls in uh, in, I, in into place in the company. But we'll move on quickly to American Top Team's Dan Lambert. He's here. He's brought the men of the year, and he's lambasting Chris Jericho, the audience, AEW fans in general, and talking about how just we bashed in Jericho's brains at at Rampage, and it was all from my MMA buddies. And Scorpio made a great comment saying how he's been overlooked in AEW. He's like, I grabbed that Sonic the Hedgehog ring and became the face of the revolution, but y'all still didn't pay attention to me. But you know what? Dan Lambert paid attention to me. That's all that matters because he sees what you ignore. He sees me as a main eventer. And then Ethan Page, of course, talks about how despite he's having has two black belts, he's also never been pinned. He's been overlooked week after week. I dress like a champ, talk like a champ, walk like a champ, and I roll with champions. Men of the year and American top team are the team. This is a great promo. Like Dan uh, Lambert and his inclusion with Men of the Year has been perfect. Great little follow up to that great segment on Rampage where Jericho got destroyed with, as along with Jake Hager. Love this, absolutely love this. Uh, uh, Jr. Oh, you want to go first? I just want to ask you one quick question: Who has the tightest tits in the game? Uh, that would be Ethan Page. Ethan Page has the tightest tits in the game. Jr. You can go ahead and comment on this. True, I changed my workouts because Ethan Page. <laughs> um, one of the things I was say is I love Dan Labber and what he's done in AEW, and I actually I don't understand why people have so much hate and negativity towards him on in online because he is a natural heel, and eventually, when the baby faces, in this case, Jericho and Hager, when they get their come up minutes, it's going to make the crowd explode. Like, he, he and he gets it. I mean, he recently, uh, he did an interview, I can't remember who was with it, but I believe it was with Cage Side Seats, and he talks about how, yeah, there's some things in today's wrestling that he doesn't necessarily agree with, but he's all about AEW, he's with AEW, AEW, you know, is a home, and he's just even though he has created one of the best, and I'm saying this as I'm a, as a mixed martial arts fan, he created one of the best um, MMA teams with the American Top Team that has straight killers on his roster, both men and females across UFC and Bellator and other regional organizations in the history of American Top Team. It, but he is at heart. He is a hundred percent bona fide wrestling fan. Loves professional wrestling, and um, I just think what he's done with Man of the Year is just phenomenal. He cuts a great promo um, with that heel, and uh, I just I can cannot wait to continue seeing what he can do more with AEW in the role as the manager for Man of the Year. Yeah, it's been great, Floyd. So, your thoughts? So I have been high on Ethan Page for about three years since really I first saw him in Impact Wrestling. The dude has always been able to kill a killer heel promo. He had he looked good, but he didn't have a look. And then he started taking his uh fitness and stuff way more seriously. And to me he looks like a world champion now. And when he cut the promo, everybody was like, man, this guy can promo he could always promo. This is a, this is Ethan Page. This is what he could do. If you asked me 
like what I liked about Ethan Page before he even signed with AEW. I'm like, he's one of the better promos in wrestling. I mean, they focused on him in uh, the tag team, the great, uh, the North. They focused, that was his focus as a member of the North. And then they did the Kung Fu Ethan or whatever thing. Fine. That was all great. But this dude cuts a monster heel promo. And then they gave him Dan Lambert. And and I completely agree. But to take it a little further to JR, people can't handle people being heels anymore. I wonder, do they scream at uh, Marvel movies that Thanos should have been nicer? I, I just want to know if that happens. <laughs> he is the bad guy. Bad guys say bad shit. (laughs) So many many wrestling fans are used to like loving heels that are just like they they are they're cool. Like when they say shit like and again, like guys like MJF, like people still cheer MJF. But there are but when MJF crosses a line, they say he crosses a line and then MJF's left like, yes, I did. I did cross a line. I danced on that line and I pissed on that line. So, of course, I wanted you to get that reaction. So, like, it, I mean, the heels are allowed to do a lot more in, in AEW than they are in other wrestling companies. And I think a lot of wrestling fans aren't used to that. Yeah, and, it, and it's funny because Dan Levert, as much as I respect him, he is the most generic 80s heel that I've ever, you know, like, he literally just says, everybody's soft and a wimp now. I mean, pretty much what every old white guy in the world says, you know, what I say sometimes. Term millennial, like it's like just a bucket, like he yes. kicks it every time. You know what's so funny? Because I am forty years old, right? I'm a millennial. <laughs> You're not a millennial. The people that he's supposedly talking about aren't actually millennials. It's so hilarious to me because you know I'm old. You know that's what I always say. I'm old. I'm a millennial. You know, it was people that turned, uh, became an adult around 2000. I turned 18 in 1999. So I was just, it's just so hilarious to me because it's just like, he's just being a very generic heel. When I do announcing on the weekends, he basically says the same stuff I say. I talk about how much Oklahoma sucks and it's generic hate me crap. It's nothing too far. He doesn't, you know, say stuff. It's just people are like, well, I hate him. And like, yeah, you're supposed to hate him. But he's great. Scorpio Sky has some energy behind his character. He's one of those people who's amazing in the ring. Like, amazing in the ring. And he makes everything look so effortless that people don't think he's amazing in the ring. So, the fact that he has some energy, some heat behind him. They're a great tag team. You're talking about... One uh, one half of the probably the greatest tag team in Impact history. One half of the first AEW tag team champions. They're both tag team champions. Scorpio Sky has you know fought for has fought for uh, against Jericho in the main event. Uh, he has been against the TNT champion. It's just like these are two hope or hopeful for guys that were missing a little something. That little something was Dan Lambert in America top team. And I am looking forward to what's going on future. They were like, literally like if I could say on my, like things I'm most looking forward to AEW it's probably my top three is where they're yeah. going with this. 
I can totally see that for sure. Um, we then had an announcement that Hikaru Shida was going to be in a match at the at the second anniversary show for AEW Dynamite. She challenged Serena Deeb because Hikaru Shida is looking to get it was her fiftieth win in AEW on her record, and she challenged Serena Deeb to be the person that she beats for the fifty her fiftieth win. Now that's that's basic enough of a story that you have going into this match. I just love this match on paper. I love Sheeta versus Serena Deeb. I love this matchup, and I'm very excited to see what they can do uh, next uh, this upcoming Dynamite. So I, I love this announcement. I thought this was great. You guys got anything you want to add to this? This is going to be an amazing wrestling match, and I love the fact that her like. You know, you look at wrestling, and sometimes they have a hard time coming up with stakes. Like, some matches just seem like they happen for a reason. This match is big because she's trying to be the first woman to 50. You know, and that means something to them. The stats are kept, and it's meant something to them. And I just love that about this company. That the I love that about this company, that the stats in the records are a character of its own. Yeah, and it can be used as a storytelling uh, procedure. Absolutely. Like, literally, this is a dope match, but you just added stakes to it. Serena D was like, I don't want to be in the history books as the person that you got your 50th win. I, I want to win every match. I am the best women's wrestler in the world. You're not. I'm not just going to be somebody you add to your list. And she was like, dude, I was the face of this company. I'm the world champ. I was the world champ for a she year. Longest reigning yeah. AEW champion of all time. For a year. So, yeah. Yeah, I'm going to uh, put you down and get to 50. It makes the match matter. I love this. And it's just going to be a great TV match. Definitely might be the highlight of the night, honestly. All right, JR, you got anything to add to this, or shall we move on? No comment. Next question. All right. Up next, we had tag team action between Penelope Ford and the Bunny, who have been teaming a lot recently, versus Anna Jay and Tay Conti. Tay Jay were, were in action, and this was a good match. This was fun. Um, I enjoyed the uh, the work for uh, Anna Jay consistently trying to get the Queen Slayer on to win the match. Uh, she eventually was able to get it on Penelope Ford and put Penelope Ford to sleep, got the win. This was a nice little finish off because Penelope Ford and the Bunny have been going after Anna and Ty Conti consistently. I felt like this was them kind of getting their win against them to kind of, for the most part, I think, uh, finish off this feud. I think I saw this as kind of like the end to that. And we got to see TJ in action after they were in the Dark Order match and segment. Uh, this was fine. I thought this was pretty good. Uh, JR, you got anything for this? I think it was a good match to showcase, you know, for the women of the AEW women's division. I just look at it and, um, one of the things I think about is where the AEW's women division once was in 2019 to where it's at today. It's a lot better place. And I think uh, a lot of that has to do with Anna Jay and Tay Conti and, um, not in that's no respect to Penelope and the Bunny. They're great in their own right, but Anna Jay and Tay Conti, I just think have the ability to potentially be positioned as a AW women's world champion in the future. I think there's been a lot of talk for, I think for at least a year now, about like, Oh, is AW going to bring in women's tag team championships? And that's the conversation for another day. But if they do, I think Anna Jay and Tay Conte could be the face of that. 
Yeah, abso- right. absolutely. Uh, TJ, love the team, uh, love the energy. Um, but this this was about, of course, about um, like how they ran out in the aggression. Uh, we have talked about this before, where uh, when you watch certain certain other wrestling, you know, and people will be coming out for this grudge match, and they'll do their pose and their spin, and they'll dance and play to the crowd, and I'm like. But you're supposed to be pissed off and hate the guy that you're wrestling. This one was like, uh-uh. We're, we're coming out swinging. Action from the very beginning. I loved it. All right. We then had MJF, who has been a heat magnet for the last few weeks, talking about how this company is building building momentum and there's a lot of things that are happening in AEW. It's moving forward. There are four pillars are pushing this company forward and it's going to push it for years to come. Jungle Boy hmm, beat him. Sammy Guevara beat me. I mean, beat him. You got Darby Allen, whatever. And then you've got the strongest pillar, the most important pillar, and the youngest athlete to ever main event in AEW pay-per-view, the, be- the pillar that is better than you and you know it, MJF. And he says, without me, this company isn't shit. He is the past, present, and future of this company. He deserves to be AEW World Champion. And Darby Allen's music hits. And MJF proceeds to talk to him and be like, I'm not a fan of you interrupting me. You interrupted me because you're jealous of me. And look, there's nothing wrong with being the second best, but I'm number one around here. And Darby immediately responds being like, you done talking? You keep threatening like... If you're not given what you want, then you'll leave, then go. I am AEW for life until death. And how can you be number one when I'm the last, when I'm the only one between us that has won a championship? And MJF then proceeds to just dig into Darby. And he's like, you know why you're straight edge? You know why all this stuff happened? And brings up the death of his dad. And just him crashing his car from being drunk at the And he just screams at him. You know, the worst part about that was the wrong man died. And he then just starts screaming at MJF, hit me. Um, MJF just starts screaming at Darby to hit him. And Darby's like, nope, I'm not doing that. You can't break me mentally. MJF's like, yeah. He's like, you know what? Fine. Whatever. It's like Punk made the great call about that, too. Um, saying like, well, MJF is a bully, and when the bully can't seem to like get to the person they bully, they tend to run away. When like, when it seems like they just they've done all they can do to try to get pick at them, they just run. And that was great. I was kind of hoping MJF mean mugged CM Punk at the end because I just want that feud to happen. But this Darby MJF feud, I think, is going to be great. And I mean, MJF already lit a match like that set ablaze with that comment about uh, the drunk driving uh, incident. Like, holy shit. And yeah, this, this, this promo in this segment was great. I, I want to, like, it's that simple. I want Darby to kick the shit out of MJF. You did what you needed to do. So JR, your thoughts on this segment. You know, one of the things is with AEW, it's kind of hard to kind of, I think try to, c- create what their or identify what their plans are for pay-per-views because they put so much great television out there but we are if i'm doing math correct in my head we're approximately 35 uh close to 35 days away which would be five weeks from full gear in minneapolis this could potentially be 
Darby versus MJF, a significant high up co-main event type uh, feud going into full gear. And this is because people love Darby and people love to hate MJF. And I think these two could do some magic in the ring. Yes, this is what being a heel is. I love like being the heel. Uh, what people forget about it is that you have to make your people look good. Now, MJF said some dastardly things in this uh, in this promo. And yes, dastardly is a very old man word. I just love it so, <laughs> so much. Uh, but yeah, so you'll hear it again. Uh, so MJF said some uh, things that were not nice. But what most people forget is he put over <laughs> Jungle Boy, Sammy Guevara, and Darby Allin. As the pillars of this company, he put them over. He didn't, you know, he said, hey, these are going to be the people I'm feuding with for the next 10 to 15 years. If Darby Allen makes it 10 more years in wrestling, I will be shocked out of my mind, you know, just because of what he does with his body, not because he's not super talented. Uh, but uh, when we go down to it, he puts them over. Then he just says, hey, I'm better than them because basically you don't want to put over the fact that you're beating on crappy wrestlers. So he said, hey, they're really good. I'm just better. And I, ju I just love that. I, MJF is so good. When you break his promos down to what makes a promo good, he hits all the marks in every promo. The, the car wreck thing and the Darby Allen thing. I saw where that was going like like before oh, yeah, instantaneously. every yeah, instantaneously and it was like like everybody's like oh my god that's so shocking i'm like honestly that's probably one of the least shocking things mjf has ever said in my opinion the dude is an amazing amazing wrestler amazing promo i just thought this was like like seriously five-star promo to me and Darby Allen's reaction was perfect. It comes from the mentorship from Sting. He knows what this guy is trying to do. He's not going to let him do it. He's not going to feel his fire. You, you guess what's going to happen this Wednesday or Friday? MJF's going to cut a promo and he's going to try to go further. And he's trying to go further because he's going to try to get under Darby Allen's skin. I love this. I, I, I love, love, love uh, what they're doing here with these two. Yes, and we then finish things off with the main event, the TNT Championship match between Miro and the Spanish god Sammy Guevara. Sammy, of course, going into this match because his boy Fuego got his ass beat multiple times by Miro and also lost his car for this. So Sammy is not only just defending his friend, but also he wants that TNT title. He wants to dethrone Miro as God's favorite champion. This was a great match Sammy had a great performance. Miro, of course, continuously just showing how angry he'd get every time Sammy just kept fighting back. He tried ripping off every single turnbuckle pad from each corner. And then as he's doing this, Fuego sprints down, tries to stop him from doing this. Miro kills Fuego yet again. And then that just had enough time for Sammy to mount a comeback, push Miro's head into the turnbuckle, tornado DDT. Sammy Guevara hits the GTH and the 630 Centon, just starts putting move and move and move and move on Miro. And Sammy Guevara is the new face of the network, the face of TNT, the TNT champion. Let's 
fucking go. I I really hoped in my heart of hearts that it would have been Sammy that knocked him down because I think Sammy is so freaking good. And seeing that happen, this was a very good TNT title match. Sammy did very well. Miro, of course, has been unbelievable as the TNT champion. But seeing Sammy with that title and everybody coming in to celebrate kind of sucked that it got rushed so quickly because of Roads to the Top. I understand, but I wanted to last with the image of Sammy with the TNT title so much longer than we had. Regardless, though, I'm so happy Sammy's TNT champion. It was so great. I loved it. It was like, this popped me so hard. It was such a great ending to Dynamite. JR, thoughts on the TNT title match? I think it was very appropriate as we essentially get to the two-year anniversary of AEW that's gonna, that is this week. Um, it's kind of a sense of passing of the torch or the graduation, if you will, of Sammy Guevara, who, I mean... From the time we saw him in that first, and I even take a step back, when I saw him in his the first AEW match, which was on the buy-in at Double Run 2019 against Kip Sabian, I thought he was phenomenal. That a great, you know, he had a great ability, and then he was in that first AEW Dynamite match against Cody. We saw him being brought along in the inner circle. People loved him. People thought he was charismatic. He was great in the ring. Um, fast track to Double or Nothing 2021. He was the one who won the stadium stampede on for the inner circle. And I just think it was this is what AW is about, about developing these talents that we've seen for two years and just building them up and building them up. And then they cashed in at the right time. And it was a great match, like kind of a big man versus a smaller guy. And, you know, in some ways they protected, you know, Miro with the way that it was finished, but it was done right because it made it believable, and Sammy's your new TNT champion, and hopefully he has a great reign with great matches and great feuds with the TNT title. Yeah, right. I, I completely agree, and I just wanted to yell this. This is how you win a winning streak. No fluke. I mean, no flukes. No cattle prods. No submissions I've seen in one ended that way. This is how you end a streak. Miro throwing his best crap at Sammy. Can't get him to tap out. Can't pin him. Gets frustrated. Does something out of character. Taking all the turnbuckles off the ring. Which the turnbuckles have actually played in two previous matches. So he takes all the turnbuckle paddings off. In the end the turnbuckle paddings end up costing him the match by, you know what? He ends up running his head into it. And what does Sammy hit? Again, building the storyline, he hits his best friend who lost his car's move. He hits the tornado DDT. Then, oh, what did he learn from Eddie Kingston? Miro's neck is his problem. So what does he do? He then hits his uh, go to hell. I think it's called go to hell, right? Yes. Yes, he hits his go to hell. But then, hey, okay, I've done everything I was supposed to that way, but I need, you know, put my signature on it. His move, the 630, the peace de la resistance, the thing that puts the match away, one 
two, three. He beats Miro. It's amazing. The guy that was literally almost two years to when he was the first match on Dynamite. I know this because, you know, I was there. Uh, first match on Dynamite against the amazing Cody Rhodes. He put that seal of approval that this guy is going to be the guy going forward. At the end of that Dynamite, he joins the inner circle and teams up with Chris Jericho. Then, two years later, as a face, wins the title in the place of their greatest TNT champion, Brody Lee. Or as AEW says, the greatest TNT champion, Brody Lee. He wins the title there. Who celebrates the people from his vlog and uh, a negative one and a Amanda Huber come out to celebrate with them. Come on. Perfect moment. Big loss for Miro. Big TNT match happens in the place that it needs to happen. Man, I, can, I, I have nothing else. It was just 10 star moment. Yeah, absolutely perfect. And that was AEW Dynamite. Very great show in Rochester, New York. Great tribute to Brody Lee. Great TNT title match. Lots of great stuff on that show. We'll move right quickly on to AEW Rampage, which kicked things off with the American Dragon, Brian Danielson versus Nick Jackson of the Young Bucks. And we remember that match where Ray Phoenix faced off against Nick Jackson. I got a little bit of vibes from this match uh, like at, compare like comparing to that match as well because, oh my goodness, I I loved this match. I thought it was so good. I was such a huge fan of just the way Brian Danielson just like sp- like the part where he spat at Nick Jackson was great, and then just started kicking and chopping him repeatedly was amazing. It was just a really really great moment in that match and just nick played a great heel brian continuously is looking just so freaking good it was such a great match uh eventually danielson was able to get the win with the cattle mutilization uh mutilation actually and that forced nick jackson to tap out immediately uh kenny omega starts running down to the ring and the dress and then jurassic express and christian cage uh came Uh, to even the odds as Kenny and Adam Cole were coming to beat up uh, Danielson. They retreated, and then Jungle Boy gets Adam Cole in the snare trap, and then uh, Omega quickly gets back in the ring, and Danielson catches Omega in the label lock. He gets both of them to tap out. He's just... Brian has looked absolutely vicious and incredible in these last few weeks. He's looking so dangerous for the elite. Like, they have no answer for him. They have no idea what to do against him. And it's just been absolutely great. And I'm so excited to see how this continues. Uh, Hell of an opening for AEW Rampage. And also, I will say, too, AEW, you got to fix your .com because on the Rampage notes, you wrote Adam Page instead of Adam Cole. You crazy motherfuckers. How dare you pair up Kenny Omega and Adam Page in your notes? Fix that shit. Regardless, JR, your thoughts on Nick Jackson and Brian Danielson kicking off the show? I mean, well, in the two years we've known what Nick Jackson can do, he's had those phenomenal singles matches, in addition with his tag team matches. But Brian Danielson, I mean, probably the best technical wrestler in the last 20 years. I mean, one of the probably 
you know, e- easily top 10, you know, in, uh, in my lifetime that I've seen up there with guys that I follow as a kid from Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels can wrestle anybody in pretty much any style. This is, they hit a, they hit a jackpot. I don't know how long they're going to have Brian Danielson for, but as long as they have them, they're going to ride that horse into the, you know, into the sunset and they're going to keep making money with it. He's just phenomenal. And the ending, I'm really interested to see how they're going to continue this. Let's say the elite versus the elite killers, for lack of a better term. Um, where are they going to go with this heading towards full gear? All right, Floyd. Yeah, uh, he he stole my answer. Uh, Nick uh, Jackson has been proving slowly but surely how good of a singles wrestler he can be if that's what he wanted to do. He, you know, to make a great tag team, you have to have two great wrestlers. But, you know, just Nick, every time he gets a single shot, every time he gets a single shot, the, the question you get is why doesn't he wrestle more singles matches? And it's just super extra special when he does it. Brian Danielson, one of the best wrestlers in the world, easily. He's hot right now. He gets to be himself. So it's even more uh, prevalent that, you know, it's even more obvious that he's really, really good at, at wrestling. And this was an amazing hot start to Rampage. So great match. Uh, it's Brian Danielson's chase towards Kenny Omega. I'm, I'm hoping there's some hiccups in there, but it looks pretty fun so far. Yeah, it really does. We then moved on to a backstage segment with Absolute Ricky Starks. Actually, yeah, he talks about how he's tired of the narrative that Brian Cage is trying to push. He says that I never back down from a fight. That's the absolute truth. And he then came on commentary for the next match. Um, We then also had a backstage segment with my boy CM Punk. And he said, you know what? It's down to get, it's time to get down to business. I have a target on my back, so I just want the best people in AEW. I want them across the ring from me. Whoever decides to step up, just remember, a go to sleep and nap time is always going to be on the menu. Um, so that was that. We'll move quickly into the three-way match between Jade Cargill, the Native Beast, Nyla Rose, and Thunder Rosa. And I thought this match was pretty good. Um, there was a great spot where Thunder Rosa... Uh, yeah, Nyla Rose has got Thunder Rosa about to powerbomb her off the apron through a table. Thunder Rosa fights back, and she powerbombs Nyla Rose through the table. It was such a great spot. And then while all of that's happening, Mark Sterling hands a chair to Jade, and then she just starts beating down Thunder Rosa and just proceeds to just constantly go after Rosa. And she pins Thunder Rosa. And she remains undefeated still. I think having her just beat the shit out of Thunder Rosa is a great way to give Jade a lot of momentum and a lot of eyes on her, too. Because, I mean, Thunder Rosa has been incredible in AEW. And having her get a win over that um, and a former AEW Women's Champion in Nyla Rose, too, with the three-way, I think Jade kind of came in and snuck in and as, like, like, stole a win, maybe, you could say. But even still, like, just I thought this was a really good match. Jade... Um, uh, like got to do a little bit of extreme rules stuff. So like it didn't really showcase a lot of her wrestling ability, which I know a lot of people still have questions about, but I still thought for a three way with uh, no disqualifications, I thought this was great. And just that Rosa power bomb was incredible. JR. So, yep. JR, what do you got? 
I was actually really shocked with the match because I thought it was going to be completely different than how the match turned out. I thought it was going to be in a way to, I feel like they did protect Jade because of her, you know, she's obviously she's still learning on the job, but we know that she's a star in the making. So they want her on the roster. Uh, I thought it was going to be more so on Nyla and Thunder in the sense of, I thought maybe there was going to be a way where Thunder was going to get a, a victory or maybe, you know, to set up a Thunder versus Brit. That's where I thought they were going to go. My second option was I thought that Thunder was going to do something to Nyla to go for the victory. And then at the last second, Jade was going to come in and, you know, glom uh, Thunder and then get the pinfall on Nyla. They went in completely opposite direction. I thought they that they were going to go to. Um, I'm very curious. I just say this a lot, but it's true because this is one of those famous AEW curveballs. You never, like, once you, or as the live Roddy Piper says, when you think you have all the answers, we change the questions. You know, now my next, you know, my next, my new question is, where do you go with Jade after this? Because she beat the former NWA Women's Champion, the former AEW Women's Champion. What's the next step? All right. Well, my thoughts on this match is... Uh, I listened to a guy named Joe Lansome Voices of Wrestling on his flagship. And just on his last episode, he was talking about when in a threesome, you need a great director. You know, that's that's the key to a, a successful threesome, which is a great director. <laughs> and I, I, I was watching this match, you know, and all I could think is that's the key to a great three way match. You need a person in the ring that's kind of directing traffic. In this match, the director award went to Miss Thunder Rosa. You could tell she kept the match on task and kept everybody in the right spots. And, of course, it built to Jay Cargill getting the victory. I'm thinking seemingly building to her versus Brick Baker because she is 15-0. She did just beat two former champions. I feel like Britt versus Jade at full gear seems to be the direction it is going but i just really wanted to commend thunder rosa because jade is green as shit nyla you know she's hit or miss sometimes when it comes to the old wrestling and she's hit or miss so you can give the credit to thunder because you can see what the great spot she was there in all those positions to make sure everything was right to make a really decent too good three-way match and i look forward to where it's going it looks like the under's taking a back seat right now you know she's my girl she's my favorite women's wrestler so hopefully that that uh title match is coming sooner rather than later all right we then move on we had a backstage segment with malachi black walking down a dark stairwell and then she he talks about how when he hit cody with that mist in that match he hoped it stayed in his pores, fested in there, eat it away at him. Because for the Nightmare family, I hope what I did consumes you. There are plenty of tolls that need to be collected in AEW. So seems like Malachi kind of feels like, you know what? I've pretty much fucked with the Nightmare family. I think there's a lot of people I got to go after now. So it seems almost as if Malachi is like seeing like, I've fucked with Cody enough. He's got nothing on me. I'm just going this way. I'm gonna mess. With, I'm gonna go with other people. So 
I mean, that's what I got from that. It would be beating a dead horse at this point. So, yeah, it is time for Malachi to move on to whoever it is. And, you know, there's that shiny TNT title coming on there. Yeah, it seems that way, yeah. But we then had the main event of AEW Rampage, the hair versus hair match between freshly squeezed Orange Cassidy and Jack Evans of TH2 in the Hardy family office. You've been sent to die, Jack. You've been sent to lose your hair. Jack had a, a pretty good match in this, too. Uh, I loved especially when Orange Cassidy just took Jack Evans, grabbed him by the ponytail, and swung him around. Um, Jack Evans had a lot of great spots in this. OC, of course, is crazy over. And um, there, this was pretty back and forth for a little bit of it. And then eventually Blade, Butcher, and Bunny walked down. Chuck Taylor, Wheeler, Yuta, and Chris Statlander walked down. Dark Order comes down. A whole bunch of stuff is happening on the outside. And then eventually Orange Cassidy hits the orange punch, pins Jack Evans. Matt Hardy immediately orders the Hardy family office to retreat. And then Orange Cassidy chops off Jack Evans' hair. And then Negative One also got in the ring to celebrate with best friends. And it was a nice little fun ending for Dynamite. Obviously, I don't think it lived up to the opening match though I don't know what could have. And Rampage kind of does that since, again, it starts at 10 a.m., ten p.m., so they kind of give you the best match first a lot of times. But this is a nice close-off for AEW Rampage for this week, though. I thought this was good. So we'll go to JR first on this one. I'm glad to see that um, the Matt, uh, the Hardy family office getting killed once again because I'm not a fan of anyone besides Butcher and Blade. I do feel bad for Jack Evans for having to cut his hair. He did have some a long hair for a number of years, so I hope that Uncle Tony gave him a little bit uh, extra compensation in his check this week for having to lose his hair. But um, <laughs> and I do I do agree. Uh, you know they start off hot, and that is a significant reason when you start at 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, and even though it's one hour you're probably going to get a, a dedicated audience for about 25 to 30 minutes, and it kind of starts telling off at the end. So you got to get them at the beginning because you're probably not going to keep them for the full hour as you get closer to that 11 o'clock hour. Yeah, uh, di- uh, Rampage is shot in reverse order. The main event goes first, and it goes backwards. I mean, that's how it is. If, um, if uh, Rampage uh, was shot traditionally, this would be, you know, this would have been the first match. Um, yeah, uh, I can't really say anything. We all knew Jack Evans was going to get his head shaved. It happened. I did like the moment where the Hardy family office was going to, was going to come in and stop him from getting his head shaved until the dark order and, uh, all the, uh, you know, dark order and the best friends lined up at the ring. And then Hardy said, Hey, let's retreat. I don't want that. I'm not trying to fight for the dude. And he left Jack Evans to get shaved bald. Uh, I mean, Jack Evans is like literally one of my favorite performers. The dude is a f- athletic creature, na- freak of nature. Uh, but you know, he served his purpose in this match and he can be an even more annoying with no hair now. So I'm looking forward to that in the future. Uh, yeah, it looks like we're building the Matt Hardy getting his head shaved, and that's going to be crazy. Now, actually, and I just think I want to throw this out. I think it will be crazy, insane, super cool if Orange Cassidy ends up getting his head shaved. All right. Well, that was AEW Rampage for this week. It was a fun show, which gave us an incredible match and also a shave Jack Evans. So... 
not much you can do to say this wasn't a great show. Um, we're going to get into the preview for AEW Dynamite Anniversary, but first, Floyd, I believe you have something that we uh, have to show you, everybody. As promised, this week we uh, do a neat new segment. It is... Uh, seven minutes with the heart of the elite. And this is from our good friend and friend of the show, Tiffany. You can follow Tiffany at all elite Tiffany on Twitter, or you can watch her show or follow the show at heart of the elite on Twitter. She just released a uh, episode tonight. So you can, uh, it's a YouTube show. So definitely watch that. The link will be in the show notes, but here is for the first time. Seven minutes with the Heart of the Elite. Hey, everybody. This is Tiffany from Heart of the Elite with Tiffany coming to you with a special All Things Elite recap and review of Roads to the Top. That's right. Last Wednesday, following Dynamite, we had the debut episode of the brand new reality series featuring Cody and Brandy Rhodes and a ton of other people as well. I would hope you would tune in just simply to support Cody and Brandy, but if you're on the fence about tuning in, let me tell you that you are missing out if you're not tuning in, because in addition to Cody and Brandy, you get a lot of behind-the-scenes access to AEW. Um, Cody has been very, very adamant about promising this, and the first episode absolutely delivered on this, and I think that fans of... Cody and Randy, of course, will love Roads to the Top, but also just fans of AEW in general will absolutely love this show. Um, you had a lot of things going on in this episode. You know, we have, of course, interviews with Cody and Brandy, kind of just established, establishing their relationship on a different level that a lot of fans probably aren't aware of. And just seeing how... Um, I think one of the main takeaways is just how much Cody loves Brandy, and it's it's very sweet. Um, he bakes her a cake for her first Mother's Day and gets her boxing gloves that are embroidered with the CBO, Chief Brand Officer, uh, you know, her, her initials, her title, and uh, so she can let off some steam down in their gym, in the basement, in their, in, in their home, um, their gym at home. And it's it's just some really cute moments, um, you know, Cody baking this cake and Brandy says, you know, that that she has seen her, her mom, you know, F up this cake and Cody nailed it. And it, it's just really apparent and it always has been. But I think that fans will just really get to see a different side of Cody on this, um, a whole other level of his love for Brandy. I also think that um, something that I really enjoy already in episode one, which of course everyone knows that Cody and Brandy, those are my people. I love them so much. But for people that don't know Cody and Brandy, getting to see a different side of Brandy, um, and I would think that it's going to probably open the fans, open their eyes a bit to Brandy and perhaps appreciate her more everything that she does in AEW and also just the kind of person she is in general um she takes a lot of unnecessary heat and we actually see some of this when it comes to Cody's family um there there were some definite tension between Cody's sister Teal and Brandy and I think that that is going to be something we see more of throughout the first season of Roads to the Top very curious um, what what else comes of this? Um, one situation in particular, of course, is 
that Brandy speaks of a time where she was just about to make her debut as Brandy Rhodes in a wrestling match. And right before she's about to do this, she gets this, you know, novel of a text from Teal just completely, you know, essentially bitching her out for using the Rhodes name without talking to her first. And, you know, I don't really want to take a side here because, you know, I try not to judge if I'm not in a particular situation, you know, in Teal's defense, but also in Brandy's defense. Um, her and Dusty were very close and she asked Dusty's permission to use it. So I, I feel like Brandy, you know, has some unfair, you know, things um, coming coming towards her from all directions, whether it's Cody's family, the fans, and just a lot in general. And I, I think that's going to unfold as the season um, continues. And I, I do look forward to seeing that and seeing if the perception of Brandy Rhodes to fans changes. And I, and I kind of hope it does because she is a hardworking and awesome person. And I, I just, I would love to see maybe this, this perspective help fans opinion of her because she's truly a remarkable person and works so hard um, Brandy talks about wanting to get back in the ring when she gets her body back, which as we've seen, she absolutely has three months postpartum. She wants to get the woman's title. Like she said, she's, she's 38 years old. If it's not now, when is it going to be? So that's something else that I'm very curious to see unfold both on roads to the top, as well as on TV with AEW. As I said, we got a lot of backstage access to AEW. One thing in particular that I thought was especially cool was stuff with Ricky Starks, um, Cody informing Ricky about his neck injury and this level of protection and dedication Cody has to Ricky to, you know, to make sure he stays a part of things, um, even with this injury, because Cody's the one who brought him in. We get to see Tony Khan talking to Ricky Starks about his injury and the moments before Ricky goes out and cuts a promo. And it was just a really, really in-depth behind-the-scenes look at a very important moment in Ricky Starks' career. And I think we're going to see a lot more of this on Roads to the Top, and I'm very much looking forward to that. I think this first episode was fun, and it was entertaining, and it was informative, and it, it offered a lot for Cody and Brandy fans, for AEW fans. It, there is just really, it's going to be quite the uh, the show, I think. And I think people are really, really going to enjoy it. Um, it did very well in the ratings and on the cable, uh, number 16, it was in the top 25 overall. And that's excellent. And we can only hope that there will be a season two. So make sure next week after Dynamite, you stay on TNT and watch Roads to the Top. Um, there's going to be a lot of fun stuff coming. Uh, Cody and his friends installing the car seat, the birth of Liberty Iris, which I am very excited for. She is just an absolute beautiful baby. Um, and like I said, that dynamic between Brandy and Cody's family, we saw hints of it on this first episode. I don't want to give away everything, but again, this was really good and I think people are going to enjoy it. Make sure you tune in next week following AW Dynamite directly after. Just stay on TNT, watch Roads to the Top. Think you're going to enjoy it. Um, again, great episode between the uh, the uh, dynamic of Cody and Brandy. Brandy's, <laughs> she just says it like it is. She doesn't hold back and I love that about her. Uh, Cody's love for Brandy. Um, just how overwhelming things are for Cody having so much on his plate. I think we're really going to get a much, much bigger look at that as the season unfolds as well. Just a lot of good stuff to see and digest. So be sure you don't miss it next week.
All right, Tiffany, thank you so much for that review of episode one of Roads to the Top. We really appreciate you. Remember, guys, be sure to support Tiffany and her show, Heart of the Elite. Be sure to support her. Uh, Floyd, what is her Twitter once again? It is at All Elite Tiffany if you're uh, looking for her directly. But if you want to follow her YouTube show, it's at Heart of the Elite. Perfect. Well, with that, we can now move to... The preview for AEW Dynamite Anniversary. Of course, we have Hikaru Shida versus Serena Deeb, where Shida is trying to go for her 50th win in AEW. Sammy Guevara, in the middle of the Rose to the Top episode, actually, was getting a backstage interview with Tony Schiavone, where he talked about how one person who's been going after him on Twitter was Bobby Fish, former member of the Undisputed Era. And it has been confirmed at the pre- the anniversary episode of Dynamite. The forbidden door is open. Sammy G's first defense of the TNT title is going to be against Bobby Fish. Not at all who I thought that was going to be. And holy shit, like, I'm very excited for this. Uh, we also have a match between Brian, uh, uh, Cage, Danielson, and Jurassic Express. So Christian Cage, Danielson, and Brand- Jurassic Express versus the Elite. We then also have Pac versus Andrade versus Mox versus Lance Archer versus OC versus Cassidy in that latter match to determine a, a, a number one contender for, was it the TNT title or the AEW world title? I believe it was uh, the, T- the TNT title. I can't remember exactly. I put OC versus Cassidy. It was supposed to be OC versus Matt Hardy. Matt so, Hardy, Hardy, yes. yes. Okay. Sorry. That was on me. All good. Mm-hmm. But that that is supposed to be for the – is that TNT title chance or AEW world title chance? AEW world title chance. That's what I thought. And there is a joker in this match that we don't know. That so. I mean, I think most – I mean, they could shock. It could be Leo Rush. Don't You don't get me wrong. He just debuted. They just announced his debut last week, so it would make sense if he was. But everybody in this world, including our our lovely guest Jr., are rooting for who? Jr., who do you want the Joker to be? Man, well, I'm just gonna do this because I'm gonna go based on a rumor. The artist formerly known as Braun Strowman. No. Oh, oh my gosh. Oh my god. See, that's what happens. I always tell Jr. he does not know how to a- answer a question. Jr., who do you want the Joker to be to become the number one contender and have his title shot at full gear? I want the Joker to be Alexander Hammerstone, the new MLW <sighs> World Heavyweight Champion. Okay. Jr. is trash. Jr. <laughs> okay. JR wants it to be the hangman, Adam Page, the man that he said if he wasn't main eventing against Kenny Omega, he wasn't going to the show. Good Lord, this is not hard. You did say this at one time. This is not hard. We know who you want it to be. You know what's what's funny? It's so funny Floyd says that because my mind is completely blank. Because Floyd literally just gave me like, a softball for me to crush and hit a grand slam, and I completely fucked that up. That's my ball. Tipped it is what you did. <laughs> I'm like, no, what? Is- no, that ball, that ball, like that was just out, and, and the bat went into the went into the left field. 
Good lord, I even gave you like three hits. And he's rushing the base. Beat the shit out of you. Good lord. But the reason why it's funny though is because I literally just said this today, you know, that I'm in back in full gear challenge mode because I can't wait for Adam Page to give vengeance at against Kenny Omega at full gear. I literally just tweeted this out today. So my bad. I fucked that one up. I was trying to go crazy because of joke. I wouldn't when the Joker because I feel like I we're used to seeing like new talent come in. When we hear the term Joker, somebody that hasn't been AW. So I was trying to think out of the box. That's why. But no, Floyd's you're a hundred percent right. This is a perfect opportunity for Eggman to come up. My bad. I fucked that one up. I just tried to give my boy his moment because if this was a Cody moment, I would want him to give me my Cody moment. So I was trying to give him his hangman moment. Didn't work out. But yes, I think the Joker's going to be hangman. I think he's going to flip the lariat people and then climb up there, grab it. And Kenny Omega is going to have to wrestle hangman Adam Page at full gear. The match we wanted at all out. Tony Khan gives you what you want once again. I that's a hundred percent who I was gonna say as well. I mean, I assume that Hangman has taken the time off that he has requested and that he is wrapped up and he is ready to go. Um, so yeah, if Hank if it would be Hangman, I think the roof would come off the building. I think it would be an incredible moment, and having Hangman win would be amazing. Uh, if I was to pick anybody out of this group of people to challenge for the title, though, I would pick uh either Pac or Orange Cassidy to win this. Um if if I'm choosing anybody out of this group. But if we're being honest, we are all saying it's gonna be Hangman and we all think Hangman will win the match. But I think that is gonna do it for the preview for I, I, I don't want to throw anniversary one. unless you got something else to add. I just want to throw one more in thing in there. I like that in the six in the six that are in there, Pac and Andrade have beef with each other. Mox and Archer have beef with each other. OC and Nardi have beef with each other. And the Joker is just like, like basically they could be beating the crap out of each other. Joker just walks out, grabs the, uh, grabs the belt and walk out because they're all beating the hell out of each other. I just like it when you bring the beef into the ladder match. It adds an extra layer. Not, it's just not all about, it's just not all about, you know, getting, the the briefcase or whatever object they have up there it's a little bit about you know the personal inner rivalries that are going on so i'm looking forward to that in this match that's the last thing i had to add all right well then that will fully wrap us up with this episode of all things elite first off jr thank you again so much for coming on we always appreciate having you on here uh if people want to find you in the trick-or-treat podcast where can they find you it's a pleasure talking to you, Austin and Floyd. And again, I apologize for ruining that softball pitch that Floyd gave to me. But you can find us at, at Trick or Treat Pod. That is at Trick or Treat Pod on Twitter. Our access to our link trees there. This Friday, October 8th, we're dropping our first Halloween, uh, you know, essentially for October, the Shutter exclusive uh, movie, Haunt. So check that out on all available platforms, uh, Spotify and apple Podcasts and wherever you download your podcast from all right well again thank you guys so much for tuning in every single week for all things elite thanks again to tiffany for her little review of the season premiere of 
roads to the top. We appreciate her with that little segment. Again, make sure you guys are downloading this fine show on Google or Apple Podcasts. If you listen to us on Spotify or any other podcasting platforms, give us a share with your friends, family, coworkers, whoever you wish. You can leave a rating, a review, leave a donation through Red Circle. We are at AT Elite Pod on Twitter. At Social Suplex are the guys that make this show possible. Be sure to check out all their other shows on their network. I am at Austin Sumowitz on Twitter, S-Z-U-M-O-W-I-C-Z. Floyd is at Floyd Johnson Jr. on Twitter. And with me just squeaking out a win in fantasy football, thanks to Keenan Allen and Mike Williams doing basically nothing this game, I am very happy I'm going to log off as Floyd takes us home for this episode of All Things Elite. Well, everyone, it is October. It is spooky season. Go out and buy your candy corn, even though I think it tastes like crap. Or you carve your pumpkins, put up your signs, enjoy the month. Make sure you are checking out Trick or Treat Podcast. I mean, I imagine this month is a special month for them with all the horror and everything that happens in October. Thank God the weather is now starting to cool off. I am a fall and winter guy, 100%. But as we get through these times, there's this thing called seasonal effectiveness disorder. I just make sure you watch out for that. Watch out for your moods. Be nice to people around you. And above all else, whether it is home, work, or school, always do your best to be elite.